the Vegas of Ireland, spending St. Patrick's Day on the Emerald Isle, and whether to get your whiskey on the rocks or straight. This week, it's all about Ireland. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. This is where we try everything the world has to offer at DestinationEatDrink.com and here on the Destination Eat Drink podcast. Since this episode is dropping on St. Patrick's Day, today's show is all about the best of Ireland. But before we do that, if you like Destination Eat Drink, be sure to rate and review us on your podcast app. It helps others find the show and helps us in our mission to take over the world, one dish at a time. Thank you very much. We're celebrating St. Patrick's Day with the best of Ireland by trekking the St. Patrick's Way, sampling Irish whiskey, reuniting with an Irish friend after 10 years, and writing limericks in Cork, Ireland. Okay, I'm starving, so let's eat. Destination, eat, drink. Joseph Rosendo is the creator and host of the TV show Travel Scope on PBS. He tells me about St. Patrick and spending St. Patrick's Day in Ireland. You mentioned that you spent St. Patrick's Day in Ireland, which sounds fantastic. And you also said that it's not like in the U.S. It's a drinking holiday, basically, is right. what it's. Yeah, what I, it's just, I was trying to avoid saying that. Right? <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll say it. <laughs> you can say it. You can say it. You're the host. Yeah. Okay. That's exactly right. It's not that in Ireland. So, what what are some of the um, cultural things that you will see when you go and visit Ireland on St. Patrick's Day? You know how how is it celebrated? How is it expressed? Well, one of the pleasures of being in Down Patrick, particularly besides the Down Cathedral, which is there, which is beautiful and the surroundings the mound of down and uh all the lakes in the area um, um it's just it's just a beautiful city particularly in this summer and late spring summer into the early fall it's a lovely a lovely setting but besides that there's a saint patrick center there which is the only center in the world devoted to saint patrick and it tells the story of saint patrick and it has a lot it really brings people up to date in his own words, it tells his story and brings people up up to speed on who St. Patrick was and what he accomplished and what he means to the people of Ireland, all of Ireland. Once again, St. Patrick stands as a, a point of reconciliation. And if, you, if you have lived in this world for in the last you know, 30, 40 years, you know about the troubles that took place in Northern Ireland and continues to be a contentious uh, situation in the North, politically at least, uh, between the, the Great Britain and the Republic of Ireland. And so uh, that center becomes a point of reconciliation and people go there. It's the end of the way of St. Patrick. And when you're, so that's one thing that people do. There are events surrounding that center. There's Irish dancing, there's Irish food, there's the festivals that take place in the square in front of it. Um, and there's families, every a lot of children, um, a lot of the uh, the parade, unlike the parade you'll we'll see in in Boston or New York here, uh, it's a, a lower keyed parade uh, with children from the the local elementary schools and the local and small bands, 
floats, handmade, uh, homemade floats uh, going through the streets of Down Patrick. So depending on the city, of course, the parades get more involved and get more extensive and more along the lines of what we're used to here in the States. <laughs> but the general feeling is one of community. It's a time for like the community to come together. And in these small communities throughout the North, it really is the whole community and everybody knows everybody and you feel like you're in the middle of a big gigantic family party. And uh, there is, uh, of course, drinking involved uh, in the pubs and in the restaurants and surrounding area, but it's, it's much, much less evident than it, than it is. It isn't the reason that people have this celebration. The reason they have this celebration is to honor St. Patrick. In many places in the world, we forget... I wonder if people even know who St. Patrick is. Right, right. Maybe just make us think it's the name of a festival, the St. <laughs> Patrick Festival. But it's to honor this man who brought Christianity to Ireland, a fairly somber and a solemn thing to be, and risk his life time and time and time again. There wasn't a lot of people that thought he was a, he was, that welcomed him. And, uh, and, and the accomplishment that he had then, of course, the whole idea for, for, for religious Christians, the fact that he spread that to other parts of the world. And through a celebration of St. Patrick, that was the idea, I think, uh, that, that, that his, his purpose of being here and the, and what he had to share with people would, would be spread. I mean, what we've, what, what, you know, this is the largest celebration throughout the world, worldwide celebration, St. Patrick's Day. I mean, you know, the Taj Mahal turns green. Hmm. Uh, you know, that's, that, it's that kind of a worldwide event, St. Patrick's Day. And I was hoping by what we were doing, we would give my mostly U.S. viewers a different take on this celebration so they would understand the roots of it and they would, feel more connected to to the man who who they're honoring and the ideals they're honoring so that was what we tried to do and and there it's certainly a lot of the cultural things that you witness are religious both protestant and catholic i mean masses um you know which harken back to the days when the roman catholic roman catholic north um, and the, and the, in the North, Roman Catholics were not even able to practice what they call the penal laws. They're unable to practice their religion and they had to go out into the woods. And that's why you have part of along when you go on, on St. Patrick's Way, you'll come to what they call mass rocks. And these were huge boulders that were set in that were in the naturally in the woods. And they'd find places where people could go and the, and the priests would do mass on these rocks as if it was an altar in a church because they're not allowed to practice their religion, their language. Uh, they were not allowed to dance. They uh, sing Irish songs. So during the penal law period in Northern Ireland. So this is this is something you'll get. If you follow St. Patrick's Way and St. Patrick's Trail, you get the history, you learn the history of Ireland at the same time that you're learning the history of St. Patrick himself. Last summer, Michaela Malazzi, host and creator of Bare Feet on PBS, met me at a little restaurant in Lisbon, and we talked about everything under the sun, including how she spent her honeymoon in Ireland. Hey, I love brown bread. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I love brown, brown bread. Brown bread is the best with the Kerry gold butter. Yeah. Are you kidding? And... 
I, I don't know. I haven't heard people talk about this very much, but I love brown bread and Guinness. <laughs> I don't know why, but those two seem to go together really, really well for some reason. Brown bread in the brown bread with butter, and I love just they make like a I don't know they make this amazing vegetable soup. It's like a puree, the chowder, mm-hmm. and that's where chowder comes from is Ireland. You know, when you think of chowder in America, Boston clam right. chowder. But fish chowder, obviously, it comes from Ireland because they brought it with them when they immigrated to the United States. Best fish chowder you'll ever have. Salmon, mussels, clams, everything's in there. It's like this whole mishmash of fish. I love chowders. Um, But we were in Dingle, and Dingle's known as sort of this food town on the west coast of Ireland. It's on the Dingle Peninsula along the Wild Atlantic Way in County Kerry. I can't speak highly enough of Dingle. It's one of my favorite places in the world. Um, and there's the little cheese shop, which we featured in our show. And they carry mostly all Irish cheeses, mm. which has become a big thing now. Um, and they're just delicious. But we went to Dick Max, which is the brewery there. And they have they used to have this coffee stout that I loved. And they mm. stopped making it, but they made a newer one. Um, but they use everything local. So they would get the beans from the local um, roaster in Dingle. And use it for the coffee stout. But everyone knows each other. And it's just like this beautiful little family of restaurants. And uh, one of the best spots I went to on this past trip was called Out of the Blue. And it's a fish restaurant. Is this in Dingle as well? In Dingle. And it's what they catch that day. So when they bring you the menu, the menu is this giant chalkboard that they put on a chair next to your table. Because it's the daily catches. And it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal and beautiful. And if you can get a reservation that day, whenever you get into Dingle, go straight to out of the blue and make your reservation for whatever time they have and eat whatever they have. It's just wonderful. It's a great little town. It's a great. And we ran into some Barefeet fans there. Did you? We did. They were from Long Island because, Ding- <laughs> you know, Ireland is a big American destination. Sure. Um, but we ran into a few fans. I'm blanking on their names, but one was a retired. It, uh, she just retired from being a principal in, in Long Island. Oh, nice. So they were on her trip to celebrate her, her retirement. That's awesome. Sweet couple. Very sweet couple. You know, I always say you'll never make friends faster than you will in Ireland, man. Oh, my gosh. True. Go anywhere and all of this, you can pick up a conversation and these people seem like they've known you forever. Forever. They'll just bring you right in on the conversation. Forever. I've... Uh, when we were in Gal, said in Gal, yeah. When we were in Galway with our friends, we went into this little locals bar that was by our Airbnb. This old guy comes out of the bathroom and around the bar where we were sitting, and starts serenading my friend's wife with "When I'm 64" by the Beatles. <laughs> oh my God! So I'll I'll tell you the story, Michaela. I talked about this with uh, with my friend Rick on the podcast, but I'll tell you because I just thought it was so charming. So he gets, you know, will you still need me? Will you still feed me when I'm 64? And we're like, clap, clap, clap. Oh, that's a-. no. Keeps going. He, he he's, he's doing all the verses. Oh my God. <laughs> so you know, at uh, about two and a half minutes in, we're like, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> but it was wonderful. And it was just a charming, charming thing that happened while we well, were there. Well, it's, it's funny that you say, it's so true. You make friends in Ireland. If you haven't made a friend in Ireland, you didn't go. You didn't properly like give your energy to the place. It's so easy to make friends. And here's a perfect example. We were in Ennis Diamond with the with the group um, to do a set dancing lesson. 
And my husband and I, our very first time I went to Ireland was our honeymoon back in 2011. Mm-hmm. Middle of December, middle of the winter, dead of winter. So everything was closed. We were trying to get to the Cliffs of Moher that morning. We decide, and this was before they built that whole visitor center. We get there. We get to the Cliffs of Moher and he opens the door and he's flies onto the roof of the car because the wind was so bad. Oh, jeez. And I'm like, get back in the car. We're going to be thrown off the cliff. <laughs> so we drive back down and we're like, we're going to stay the night and try and go in the morning. So we go to the Falls Hotel, which is one of the only hotels. It's the only hotel in Ennis Diamond. And there's a tiny little pub. And I'm blanking on the name right now, but it's a, it's a tiny little pub and it's yellow on the outside, right down the street. We walk in. No one's in there except the barman, the, the bartender. This was uh, 11 years ago because we're celebrating our 11th anniversary in August. And we had the best night together. It was me, my husband, and his name is Kevin. And we spent, we closed out the bar, just the three of us. He let my husband pour his own Guinness. He taught him how to pour his Guinness. And then at some point, a farmer from Lahinch comes in and... We couldn't understand a word he was yeah, saying. Yeah, right. So Kevin was our translator. <laughs> Where are the subtitles? Right. Kevin was our translator. He was a carry man. Here we are. It's County Clare. This man, this this farmer was drinking, you know, whiskey straight one after another. And we were just having the time of our lives. So here we are a few weeks ago. And I'm in Ennis Diamond. And we go into the bar. And there's a woman who was uh, bartending. And I said, does there happen to be a man named Kevin? Does he still work here? And she goes... Does he have blondish hair? I said, yeah. He was a bartender when my husband and I were here in December. I told her the story. So she took a picture of me, and I'm holding my beer, and she texted him. And he wrote back, she still has the ring. They're still married. Because <laughs> I was holding my wedding ring. Next thing you know, in walks Kevin oh, into man. the pub. We're hugging. He remembered us. I'm sending pictures to my husband. The whole crew, the whole Team, you know the, the group of passengers was like oh my gosh I cannot believe this we made we were friends we became friends then sure. this was one random night you yeah. know and it was 11 just years 11 ago. years ago and it was wonderful to see him it was so sweet he's a grandfather now he was telling us his granddaughter that he was watching her oh my goodness and it was just like that's Ireland Rick Kempfer is an award-winning author podcaster and publisher we talk about some of the best dishes in Galway and Rick shares some of his original limericks. It feels kind of like the Vegas of Ireland because of the, uh, you know, the parties on the streets. Yeah. We were talking about this. The hen parties. Everywhere. Everywhere. You'll get 10 or 12 women, you know, yeah. dressed up in, uh, and they'll put the bride in the in the fake bride dress and they'll all be wearing matching outfits and stuff. And bunny ears. And bunny ears. And they are... Full on. I mean, <laughs> it, uh, a little rowdy. Yeah, a little rowdy to say the least. But I, what I wanted to tell you was because um, I've known you forever, and one thing I know about you is that you uh, you love limericks. And on our way here, we took the bus from Cork to uh, to Galway. But there's a stop. There's an intermediate stop. You stop in Limerick, and as I see that we're pulling into Limerick, I'm like. I'm going to see Rick. (laughs) I'm going to mention this to him because it's just funny to me that there is actually a place called Limerick. I know. You know, it's like, it's an actual place. It's not like, you know, they, 
when you hear a limerick, you think, oh, it's a, it's a funny poem and everything. Right. But you don't think this is an actual place. It's right. like it's like in France when you when you hear that there's a real town called Dijon. Yeah. It it sounds like it's not a real place. Dijon couldn't be a real place, right? <laughs> right. But it is a real place. It's not just a mustard. Yeah. Um. It, so you don't say. Tell me a Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Can you spread some Chicago on my uh, schnitzel? Yeah. Exactly. No. Um. Anyway, so what I asked you to do was uh, come up with some limericks, maybe with some... I haven't heard these before. Uh-huh. Uh, I just asked you to do this, so I don't know what they're like. But I know you love limericks. I do. And so I asked you to write some Galway-inspired limericks. Are you ready? Yes, yes. For very reasonable fees, you can sample real Irish cheese. Irish goats are so frisky because they drink Irish whiskey. The feta is better from these. <laughs> Good, good. Irish cheese Get to Galway by train, car, or bus, or a boat, or a ship if you must. The pubs all serve Guinness, Irish whiskey to finish. Eat and drink till your gullet goes bust. True. And here's one about the hen parties. Okay, yeah, good. This is my good. last one. Hen parties in Galway abound. Bunny ears, giggling brides can be found. Oh, hens, please be kind and fill up me pint. Brent here buys the next round. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, all that's not that, 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 all of that's true except the last line <laughs> um so you and i one of the first things we did when we got to galway was to go on a food tour and um this is kind of this is kind of where i um you know uh, evangelize a little bit about the food tours because i always say when you go to a new town go to the food tour go on the food tour immediately and that's because you'll not only have great food and find some great places, you might find some places you want to revisit, but also usually the food tour, they'll point out, you know, various things about the history. And I learned stuff about the history. Um, but what were your overall impressions of the Galway food tour that we went on? What, what are your memories of that? So I, I found it one of the best food tours, and I've been on many of these. Also, I do the same thing. I, I, I thought I thought that the guide was great. I thought the food was great. I really loved it. And there was a lot of food. Yeah. And normally that's my complaint is, you know, here's a bite of cheese. Right. Or, you know. <laughs> um, but in this one, you got, you know, the various different samples of drinks and food. And, you know, the seafood is because we're right on the coast here. Yep. The fish and chips were amazing. They gave us oysters. They gave us uh, chocolates, and it was delightful. The cheese was, for me, the highlight, to be honest. The cheese was amazing, and they had um, they had sheep's milk and goat's milk, if yeah. I if I recall correctly, and they had one that was like a smoked gouda that um, so abs- gouda. It was so gouda. <laughs> it blew me away. I loved that. The other thing that we did was we went. Uh, we had some whiskey. Yes, um, and. I'll just say up front, I'm not a big whiskey drinker uh, as far as drinking whiskey straight. I'll occasionally have whiskey in a cocktail or like um, with a Coca-Cola or something like that. But in general, I, I don't sit there and sip whiskey. We did in this case, and I was kind of blown away with, yeah. with how good and how smooth the whiskey was. So I am a whiskey drinker. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jameson's whiskey is famous uh even in america and i i drink jameson's that was that's my whiskey of choice oh okay um but we had one that was even better 
uh, what was it called again? Slain. Slain. Yeah. It was amazing. It was the smoothest whiskey I've ever had in my life. It was so good. And we're actually, um, you know, we're recording this in your Airbnb. Mm -hmm. And we sent your wife, Bridget, and my girlfriend, Karen, we sent them out. Yes. (laughs) Because... For them to stay quiet for 30 minutes is just not even a possibility. But they're going down to the place where we tasted that. And Karen's going to pick up some slain for us to uh, to put in our bags and, and take home with us. I yeah. mean, it was... Three ounces or less. Yeah, three ounces or less. So she's getting a little... Yeah, the little, the little <laughs> so mini we'll be, bottles. We'll be doling it out in, in a little eyedropper. <laughs> hey, but, it's worth it. But this whiskey, it was it was so good and then our tour guide what she did was she had us had us have a sip of the whiskey and then she added a little bit of water to it and you're like okay it's not going to taste any it's just going to taste watered down but it didn't it really changed the flavor profile of the whiskey itself it did and i I like to drink my whiskey on the rocks which uh, is considered gauche by some (laughs) people but it's that water flavor it just adds it does it softens it up just a touch, and uh, for me, that's the way to do it. I, I like it cold, too. Mm-hmm. That's an American thing, I think. Yeah, probably, because I think the uh, Irish, and I think they said this when we were in Scotland as well, that, um, yeah, Americans don't put it on ice. You should have it at room temperature so that you can get the whole flavor profile. Yes, and when I was in Kong, I had some uh, whiskey there, too, and... I ordered it on the rocks, and and then the uh, the woman the bartender said to me, "You know, we don't do that here." <laughs> I said, "I don't care. Just give it to me on the rocks." <laughs> You're never going to see me again, right? Exactly. <laughs> the mocking. Let's just go with it, okay? <laughs> You're only going to be able to mock me briefly here, right? Virginia O'Gare owns the amazing vegan restaurant My Goodness with her husband in Cork, Ireland. She tells me about the differences between Cork and Dublin as well as some of her favorite places to eat in Cork. Virginia, I've only visited Cork the one time. I really enjoyed it. Um, But my takeaway from my short time in Cork was thinking of it as kind of the bizarro Dublin, you know, the alternate universe of Dublin, because here's my take. Dublin's got a lot of high-tech money, you know, Facebook and all these other high-tech companies, and a lot of tourists. Well, Cork is more like working class, down-to-earth, not, not that I don't like Dublin. I really, I love Dublin. But Cork to me seems more authentic and real. Now, you're mm-hmm. a person who's not from Cork, but you've lived in Cork for quite a while. Um, two things. What's your take on Cork? And is there any merit to what I'm saying about Cork? Oh, Brent, you, you're a very perceptive fella. I mean, yeah, I do love a lot of things about Dublin. But um, what I say about Cork is that it's a place where people take what they do very seriously, but they don't take themselves too seriously. The people down here, it's kind of like the Dallas to Austin comparison as well. You okay, know? there you go. Dallas, Yeah, Dallas is a bit more like glitzy, whereas Austin's a bit more laid back. Cork is a bit more laid back in a lot of ways where um, there's just a really good community here. People in Cork love being from Cork. <laughs> they love it when people come to Cork. I noticed that. Did you? Yeah. They call it, this is the Texan comparison too. They call it the real capital. You know, they're kind of almost into the, like the separatist um, aspects of being from Cork. Like we could have our own country here. 
but in kind of a good way, you know, whereas if Texas ever seceded, I would run far away from that place. But if Cork seceded, I would be okay with it. (laughs) There's a lot going on here. But yeah, you're right. It is, it is a bit more working class. Um, It is the home of a lot of the rebels from during, from the revolution. Michael Collins was born here. And yeah, in that respect, it's also a massive county. It's huge. So we have Cork City, and then we have lots of other kind of really nice towns around it. And although Cork is considered a city, and people in Ireland get really mad when you accidentally call it a town, it is almost more like a a big town. You know, it's everyone kind of knows each other. And there is a really nice element of diversity about, and everyone's still very curious no one here really feel, you know, it doesn't seem like anyone has anything to prove. It's just, it's more of a, it's a community. Yeah. It feels like you're a part of a really big town. So I love Cork for those reasons. We have some of the best beaches of anywhere in Ireland and people have the best accents here. They almost sing when they speak. It, <laughs> it I is. won't like offend anyone by tr- attempting to do one right now, but no, trust it, me. it does sound beautiful. And I would just say, you know, Make Cork part of your itinerary. If you're going to Dublin, it's not far, and it's really worth getting out to Cork and seeing seeing what they have to offer. Um, before I let you go, Virginia, um, you know, obviously, my goodness is one of your restaurant is one of my top top recommendations, not only in Cork but in all of Ireland. But what are some of your other favorite places when you're going out? When you and your husband are going out, where are some places that you like to go in Cork? Ah, well, thank you so much for coming down here and, and visiting us and for the opportunity to chat with you and get to know you. Uh, and yeah, Cork is really good for um, fresh vegetables. It's like I mentioned, it's it's a it's a big agrarian town. And just this morning, we were visited by our friends Olton and Lucy at Gorton Anon Farm. So they are a couple of vegan farmers who grow vegetables not too far away from here. And during lockdown, we were able to create a friendship where we were selling on the vegetables that they would normally sell to one of my very favorite restaurants here called Cafe Paradiso. Okay, I know that place. Yeah, it's a vegetarian place that won a James Beard Award for their relationship with Olton and Lucia Gorton on farm. They've always kind of developed their menu around what these farmers could grow with them. And it's always been a vegetarian restaurant. And since Lucy and Olton went vegan, uh, I would say a decade ago, they've worked on more vegan options. So it's nice as a vegan to go there and to experience as a treat what vegan fine dining can look like. And it's a really beautiful, small setting. It's casual and elegant, and I really enjoy them. Um, The people who work there really love food and they really respect food. And they present it in a way that is exciting. So I do love that. Um, where else do we go? We sometimes like, yeah, we, I really love eating different styles of Asian food. So there's a place called Koto that we like to visit and they have a whole vegan menu. There's Malay kitchen. There is Yang Ming Wang on Princess street. You know, I've been a vegan now for about 28 years and I've lived in Cork for 16 of those years. And when we first moved here, no one knew what a vegan was. They just assumed you were, you couldn't digest gluten or something. They didn't quite know what it was. But since then, I'd say almost any restaurant that you go into or even hotel you go into will have a vegan. And whereas chefs in the past used to disdain people asking for no animal products to be put in their food now, it's almost like the younger chefs coming around find reasons to celebrate it. And they find that challenge interesting. So I'd say almost anywhere you'd like to go here in Cork will have an option for you. There's Jacob's on the Mall, that kind of menu. 
There are a lot of really beautiful wine bars. Um, Nell's opened up recently. They're also using vegetables from Olton and Lucy that I mentioned before. And they always veganize their menu for you. It's an old Cafe Paradiso chef doing a lot of that right now. So yeah, I'd say almost anywhere. Cask is a really neat cocktail bar with vegan snacks, and they use a lot of our different kefirs and kombuchas as mixers. I'd say that veganism has deeply um, become a part of the vocabulary and killer for most restaurants here. Okay, there you go. Thanks to all my guests for appearing on the show. And listening to Virginia talk about cork reminds me of just how much fun we had when we were there last year. I've got links to all my guests and places that they talked about in the show notes. Get that at radiomisfits.com slash DED224. Well, that's it for this week. Next week, Katie Parla returns to talk about her book, Food of the Italian Islands and the Cuisine of Sicily and Venice. So don't miss that. Until then, get over to DestinationEatDrink.com. I just posted a story about the westernmost point on mainland Europe. Get that at DestinationEatDrink.com slash Roca, R-O-C-A, or just go to DestinationEatDrink.com and click on the blog page. And while you're there, sign up for the Destination Eat Drink newsletter and keep up to date with the podcast, as well as all the new foodie stories I post videos to. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and a guy who celebrated St. Patty's Day by switching from scotch to Jameson for one day, Ed Silla. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. 